Thank you very much. It's great to be with you here today. And as John said, I'm going to be talking about transforming despair. And I'm going to be basing it around John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 1 to 18. And it's the time when Jesus has been crucified, put in the tomb, and Mary, along with others, although Mary's the main one here, comes to the tomb. Normally we hear this at Easter time, but it's relevant for us today as well. So John chapter 20, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Well, I wonder if you've ever felt a sense of despair in your life. Perhaps a difficult, troubling situation where you can't see any way out. Or there are no signs of improvement. Perhaps a relational family breakdown of some description. Or maybe you struggle with ill health. Whether it's physical or a mental issue. Mental health issues such as depression. Perhaps you've been praying for breakthrough and you've seen nothing. In fact, things have got worse. Maybe it's a troubling financial situation. Or maybe you haven't handled an aspect of your life well and you have a sense of despair about yourself. I want to change, but I keep repeating the same old, same old. Or perhaps it's just a sense of despair about the state of the nation. When the disciples walked and talked with Jesus, it must have been a roller coaster exhilarating. Think about the things that they must have seen and the things that they would have experienced. 
wonderful. Decomposing bodies raised back to life. Seeing Jesus walk on the water. Seeing him calm an angry storm with a word. Seeing him heal and deliver seemingly hopeless cases. One man paralyzed for 38 years healed in an instant. A woman who'd had a flow of blood for 12 years healed in an instant. The amazing things that they saw and heard that Jesus did and taught. And also he included them of course. In the feeding of the multitudes, he got them to distribute the loaves and the fish to see his power at work. And then he sent some of them out two by two, didn't he, to the different villages to say, go and preach the gospel and heal the sick. And they came back and they said this to him, even the demons submit to us in your name. Wow, amazing stuff was going on. And even though they didn't get some of what Jesus was teaching, they must have been filled with hope. The kingdom is coming at last. The Roman invaders are going to be repelled. The religious uh, hypocrites are going to be ousted. And Jesus is going to set everything right. In that sense it was true. But not in the way that they thought of course. And so when they saw Jesus being arrested. Being ill treated. Being abused. Put before a show trial. Being condemned. Although he was innocent. Led like a lamb to the sword. Crucified. Laid in a tomb. Their hopes and dreams came crashing down. Well, I know, we know this is true. Because the gospel writer Luke tells us. Of two guys. Two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they don't know that Jesus has been raised to life. And Jesus draws alongside them. And they don't recognize him. And he begins to talk to them. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days, they say to Jesus? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped. They had hoped. So they lost hope. I wonder, have you ever lost hope? Maybe you're in a situation right now where you feel that your hope is lost or maybe it's just at a very low ebb. Mary comes to the tomb and she has lost hope. It's clear from the other gospels that Mary Magdalene is wanting to honor Jesus in his death by anointing his body with spices. After all, he's dead. He's lost the battle. The authorities have won. It's over. So it appears. All their hopes, dreams, expectations have come crashing down in face of the harsh reality of Jesus' death. Have your hopes and dreams ever come crashing down? Now in Mary's case, her despair turned to absolute joy by this encounter with the risen Christ. And we too need to encounter the risen Christ because that is what is going to make the difference. We're not just a happy, clappy society. We want to encounter Jesus. That's the reason we call the event that we're having soon, Encounter. We want every single person who we come into contact with, every single person who comes to our meetings, we want everybody to encounter Christ. Why? Because he is the one who makes the difference. He is the one who can transform our despair. 
So the first thing I want to say out of this passage, and it's an obvious one to say, that Jesus is alive, not dead. Jesus is alive, not dead. We do not worship a dead God. As the Apostle Paul said, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. But we know that Jesus is alive. He's overcome the fiercest, most implacable of enemies. He overcame the Roman powers of the day. He overcame the religious authorities of the day. He overcame Satan. But even more than that, he overcame death. And then Jesus then promised to send another counselor, like himself, the Holy Spirit, also known as the Spirit of Christ. In fact, Jesus said this, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, i.e. the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Sometimes we think, oh, wouldn't it be great if Jesus was here? He is. He is by his Spirit. He said it's better that if I go away, and then I will send the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit can be in every place at every time among all the believers and in the believers in a way that Jesus because he was human wasn't able to be at that time you know it's great when we have someone supporting us it's great when we have someone standing alongside us we all appreciate that I think virtually all sports people say what a help it is to have a home crowd supporting them whether it's tennis, football, the Olympic Games, or whatever, there's such a thing as home advantage. Perhaps our greatest tennis player, British tennis player, Andy Murray, he used to be the world number one men's player. He had a problem with his hip, and he had to have an operation, and he was out of action for many months, recently come back in and won a tournament. And one of the things he said was this of his wife, she has been brilliant allowed me to pursue my career and be incredibly supportive. And if you've ever seen him playing tennis on TV, you'll see there's another person who's usually sitting in the stand cheering him on. That's his mother. On a personal level, when I go to Nepal, and uh, John and I and a few others, Joy and others, are going to Nepal on the 5th of November, when we go there, I'll be preaching. So will John. And I've learned some of the Nepali language, so I like to speak some of it in Nepali, but my Nepali is not good enough to do the whole sermon. So I need someone to help me. I need someone to stand alongside me. And one of the guys comes and he translates for me and he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. Not only does he translate accurately, he also mimics my gestures at the same time as well. Sometimes it can be tempting that if only Jesus was here, well the truth is he is, but by his spirit. And the Holy Spirit is referred to as the comforter, the helper, the advocate, the counselor. So whatever you're going through, dear friends, you're not going through it on your own. God is with you. I wonder though, do you sometimes feel that you've exhausted your prayers? Maybe you don't. Sometimes I do. You've prayed from every angle you think possible. You've prayed for breakthrough. Well, that hasn't worked because you haven't seen any. You've prayed for the power of the Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, let me see you make a difference. You've quoted scripture to the Lord. Maybe that's a good way of doing it. Quote scripture to Jesus, just in case he's forgotten. You've knelt before the Lord. You've lain prostrate on the floor. Well, what else can I do? Well, I'll throw in a fast or two to show how serious I am. 
Maybe I need to repent of unbelief. Maybe that's the obstacle. Oh, I need to sing in faith. I'm going to summon up as much faith as I can. I'll get others to pray alongside me. And what happens? Nothing. Nothing. In fact, the situation's got worse. I wonder if you've ever been in that situation. Maybe you're in it right now. I know I have. Where I've prayed, I've fasted, I've got people alongside me like Moses did to raise the, his hands at that time and done everything I can think I can do. But things have got worse. But in Romans eight twenty six, it says this, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Or as the RSV puts it, with sighs too deep for words. And sometimes when you're going through a time of despair and you've tried all the doors and you've been knocking and you've been praying and you've tried everything and there's nothing seems to be happening. Be happening. I don't know what else I can do. Sighs too deep for words the Holy Spirit intercedes for us God is with you in it I've personally been through times of despair when I've been praying and praying and seeing the opposite of what I am praying happening thoughts crowd in what's the point of praying is God really interested does he even exist because you're seeing nothing positive happening far from it if he's meant to be with me then why isn't he doing something Maybe you've never thought those thoughts. Maybe you've never expressed them. But let me tell you this. There's nothing wrong with expressing to God or even others the despair we feel. Why do I say that? Because I see it throughout the Bible. And I certainly see it in the Psalms. Full of it. Psalm 13. First couple of verses. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Sometimes we feel, well, I'm a good Christian. I shouldn't be expressing my doubts and fears and I shouldn't be expressing my despair. No, no, no. You can. And sometimes people come to me and they've got sorrow in their life or something's happened in the past and I'll sit with them and it's happened very recently. I sat with someone And this person started to cry. And they said, I'm I'm ever so sorry. I said, why? You don't need to be sorry. If you want to cry, you cry. God can cope with our tears. And we can express something of the pain that we're going through to him. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And yet somehow at the same time, having said all that, the Holy Spirit turns my attention to situations that I have seen change for the better. Where I have seen despair turn to gladness. I've seen it in people in this room. There are people in this room that I've prayed for because they've been in a state of despair. Has it happened instantly? No. Have I seen change? Yes. Have I seen despair turn to gladness? Yes. I have. For the truth is this, Jesus is alive. He is at work. He never faints or grows weary. He doesn't slumber or sleep. He's never discouraged about things. His energy is boundless. His wisdom is immeasurable. His power is unlimited. He is for you. He intercedes for you. One of Jesus' names is Emmanuel, God with us. God is with you in all that you may be facing right now, even if you don't feel like it. 
Jesus is alive. He is not dead. But sometimes we may be blinded by the despair that we're going through to realize that God is with us. Certainly true in this episode that I just read. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked a woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they've put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Why not? She was blinded by her despair. She was blinded by her sorrow. She could not see that it was Jesus there. And yet, there was a kindness of the Lord in the midst of her despair there too. And I find that's my experience, that even when I'm feeling down, the kindnesses of the Lord, the unmerited kindnesses of the Lord come to me. And here, as Mary looks in the tomb, there's an amazing kindness of the Lord there. There are two angels sitting there, and they speak to her. Wow, how incredible is that? If I was at the checkout at the supermarket down the road and there was an angel there who was packing my shopping for me, I would be amazed at that kindness. Well, here there are two angels. She doesn't recognize even this amazing kindness of the Lord. And I've seen the kindnesses of the Lord in the most difficult situations. Jesus says that the hairs of our head are numbered. (coughs) And that speaks to me of an intimate knowledge and care for us. (coughs) Excuse me. Last week... I was preparing a sermon, not this one, but another one, and uh, I just wasn't getting anywhere. Far from living waters bubbling up within me, it was like a stagnant pool. And, um, you know, I felt heavy, I felt oppressed, there were things going on in the family that were not a blessing, and it was just heavy going. And I was sitting there really trying to do my best, and, well, I wasn't even trying to do my best, really, if I'm honest, I was just feeling a bit low. Anyway, suddenly, one of the kindnesses of the Lord just floated in. Hallelujah, thank you Jesus. And this sermon outline came to me in an instant. And I thought, thank you Lord. And then I was re-energized, able to get on. And it was just one of those things that the Lord came. And it made me realize that the Lord is with me. And that he is my helper. The Lord is with you and he is your helper. In the midst of despair, look out for the kindnesses of the Lord. For Jesus is alive, not dead. And he is with you. And he is for you. Jesus is alive, not dead. Now the second thing I want to say is this. How is our despair transformed? Well, we get some big clues here in the Psalms. The first thing is by trusting in the Lord's unfailing love. How do we get through our despair? By trusting in the Lord's unfailing love. The psalmist in Psalm 94 verse 18 says this. When I said my foot is slipping. Your unfailing love Lord supported me. I wonder do you sometimes feel as if your foot is slipping? In other words your sense of stability and well-being is on the slide as it were. Perhaps your faith is at a low ebb. Now that's a time to have others around you. Not simply to quote scripture at you, but to journey with you through the time of darkness. And that's why we're, one of the reasons we're very keen for people to get connected. Whether it's here or another church, 
Get connected. Don't stay on the periphery. Don't stay on the edge. Don't get isolated. Why not? Because we have an enemy who prowls around us like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And he will be looking for the easy prey, the stragglers, those who are not connected, those who are on the edge because that's what they do in nature. They look for those who are not with the main group and they go for them. We have an enemy. He is out to get you. Now I know he's on a leash, but get connected. Get into the body of the church. Do not stay on the periphery, on the edge. It is unhealthy if we do. We need others to journey with us through the time of darkness. To be in effect the voice and hands and feet of Jesus in that situation. When my faith is at a low ebb, I need your strong faith to come alongside me. When I've got a smoldering wick in my heart where there's more smoke than heat and light, I need something of your light, something of the warmth that you bring to help me through that. But if we're just somewhere straying on the periphery, we're not going to get it. We're vulnerable. Do not make yourself vulnerable. It's foolish. But get knitted in to the body of the church. There's plenty of ways in which we can do that. Again, on the announcement earlier was about the, uh, if you're new to Kings, the meal that we're going to be doing. Uh, just a, a little way of getting included. Our small groups, it's a great way of getting included. Still open. I went to our small group on Thursday and uh, we did a sort of Bible study thing. It was just great, just good to be there. And uh, particularly brilliant for me because I didn't have to do any of the prep. Somebody else did it. So I just, it was like somebody preparing a meal and I sat down and I ate. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Great, let's get connected. We need good people around us and it's one of the wonders of the church community and one of the reasons we're keen to get people connected. As part of trusting in the Lord's unfailing love is a recognition that God's love is not simply universal love for all, but personal. You know, we did a stall at Hazelmere Fate in August. And we had a great time. It was, it was a lovely day and it was a great time. And um, one of the things that we did is we had a form. We wanted people to, again, we wanted to connect with people. So we had a form that people could fill in. And they could win a prize if they filled it in and put it in a box. And on the form, it was a brilliant idea, was a question. And the question was this. And we wanted people to answer the question in the way that they thought. The question was this. If God exists, what question, what one question would you ask him? If God exists, what one question would you ask him? And I stood by the box where people put the forms in and I gave them pens and the papers and I read, I was reading what they were writing. Sometimes I would talk to them about it and this kind of thing and I was interested in what people would ask if they could ask God one question. But it got me thinking. It got me thinking, I thought, well, what one question would I ask him? What one question would I ask him? So I thought about it and I talked about it with a couple of young ladies too. We were just chatting. And I thought, actually, if I could ask him one question, I would ask him this Do you love me? Maybe it's a selfish question, but that's what I would ask. Do you love me? I know God loves everybody because it tells us in the Bible God so loved the world. Yeah, I get it. God so loved the world. Fantastic. 
Uh, God is love. Yeah, I get that. There's a universal sense. But I want to know, do you love me? Here in this passage, as Mary weeps before the tomb and she doesn't recognize Jesus, he says to her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. It was when Jesus spoke her name that she recognized him. Mary was known and loved by God personally. See, when someone speaks your name in the Bible, your name signifies all of who you are. Everything about you. Your history. Things you've done. Things you've said. The things you've experienced. All about you. Jesus speaks her name because he knows her personally. And she then recognizes him. God loves you personally. You're not simply a nameless face in the crowd. But precious and special to Jesus. And he calls you by name. Now it's not just me saying that. The Holy Spirit himself bears witness to the truth. Romans 8.15 God's spirit doesn't make us slaves who are afraid of him. Instead, we become his children and call him our father. Our father. Now, I am a father. I have got three children. If you said to me, Ron, do you know the name of your children? Of course I know the name of my children. Of course. I don't forget. I know them by name. And I call them by name. Why? Because I know them. I love them. I'm personally involved in their lives. How much more our Heavenly Father, who is far, far superior than I ever could be as a a parent who's failed so many times, I can't count how many. You are known by Jesus. Personally, he calls you by name. So if I am that form, if I could ask God one question, what would it be? I would say, do you love me? I know the answer I don't need to ask that question I'm loved by him because he calls me by name and he calls you by name calls you by name why? because you're his child if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior you're his child and any parent with half their salt knows the names of their children don't they? of course they do our despair is transformed by trusting in God's unfailing love and it's a personal love Our despair is transformed as well by patient endurance, by perseverance. Do you know, I wish in some ways that after I finish preaching and we're going to have a time where we're going to pray for people, if you came out and maybe you are going through a difficult time or, and we prayed for you and it was instant transformation. Things that you feel low about, things that you feel despair, instantly changed and everything becomes rosy. It's like all the lights have come on and the darkness is totally gone. But actually, life often doesn't work that way. I would say that is the exception rather than the rule. And that's why we need to have this patient endurance, this perseverance. Persevering in following the Lord. Persevering in fellowship. Not withdrawing from that. The Apostle James writes of Job who lost his family, who lost his wealth who lost respect in the community, who lost his health, 
sitting on a rubbish heap, scraping the sores with broken clay pots. James says, we can't as bless those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance. I've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So we need to persevere. We need to persevere in fellowship. Meeting together, as I said before, so important. God sets his hope in us. Hallelujah. I want to thank you, Lord, that it doesn't all depend on me. It doesn't all depend on my performance. But your grace comes. Your unmerited kindness in the midst of the dark times as well. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you and me. We need to persevere in the truth that I am loved by God despite what it looks like. You know, as I was preaching, it's funny, preaching is a funny thing. It's strange, it's a strange, mysterious thing actually, us preachers up here. Because when you're up here and you're preaching, the Lord speaks to you and says, I've got my notes, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes the Lord just says things to you as you're looking at the congregation, as you're just thinking about things. And when I was up in Hazelmere, I said some things that just weren't on the paper at all. But I'll share it with you. Spirit, give it to me just there and then as I was preaching. And it was this, and I'll share it with you. you know, I don't want to go through any dark times. Thank you very much. Really don't. I just want blessing. I want light. I want good times. I want roller coaster joyfulness every day of my life. But it doesn't work like that, does it? There are dark times. There can be despair. And as I was preaching this morning, I was thinking of some of the situations that people are facing up in Hazelmere. And I thought of the faith that they demonstrate in the midst of it. And I have to say, I've seen it many times in the saints here. At King's Church, High Wycombe. The faith that's demonstrated by people when they're going through dark times is incredible. Do you know what it reminded me of? And this is what the Spirit reminded me of this morning up in Hazelwood. It reminded me of how diamonds are formed. You know, the diamonds are formed in the depth of the earth, aren't they? Diamonds are formed in the darkness. Diamonds are formed under intense pressure. But how precious they are. And I have seen many diamonds in God's people at King's Church High Wycombe over the years. Where people have been through the most difficult circumstances and seeing no improvement but things getting worse. And yet I've talked to them, I've got alongside them and I've seen actually there's a diamond in there. Wow. So God is still at work even if you feel under the most intense pressure and you think there's no way out of this. It may be that God is forming a precious diamond in your heart that he can't do any other way. None of us volunteers for pain, do we? We don't volunteer to come out and say, right, I'm going to pray for you that you're going to go through a really dark time. You're going to feel really oppressed. You know, you're going to, you're going to plunge down into the depth of despair that you've never experienced before in the name of Jesus. Never pray that, do we? It'd be, it'd be silly. And yet we do go through these hard times. But even in that, God is working for our good. It's difficult to see that, isn't it? We need the encouragement of one another. And to hear these things, that God is working for your good. Is there a time, you think, when God stops working for your good? Does he think, okay, it's 12.39 here. I'm working for your good right now, but at one o'clock I'll stop. 
At one o'clock, I'll stop working for your good. No, of course not. God is working for your good all the time. Why? Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. And if you're, again, if you're a parent, even if you're not a parent, you can see it. You know, any parent's worth their salt. You want good for your kids, don't you? Whatever age they are. All my kids are now grown up, adults, kids of their own, married. You know, I still want good for them. Why? Because I love them. And God loves us all the more. Persevere in fellowship. Be, have patient endurance, perseverance. Persevere in the truth that we're loved by God. God is Emmanuel, one of Jesus' names. He will never abandon you. Our despair may not be transformed overnight, but God is still at work to produce good things in our lives. And maybe you're that person who is journeying with someone going through a hard time. And I've seen that many times in King's Church Wickham as well. Please, can I just thank you for doing that. If you're standing with someone going through a difficult time, And you're just that little encouragement to them, that light. Bless you. Thank you. Keep doing it because what you're doing is you're revealing Jesus to them. We're going to give opportunity for prayer in a moment. But before we do that, I just want to give a little time of quiet reflection. Where we can just say a few things to the Lord in our hearts. The first thing I think it would be good for us to say to the Lord is, Thank you, Lord that you're with me simple as that spend a moment doing that thank you Lord that you're with me and the second thing is Lord I trust in your unfailing love. I trust in your unfailing love. And we do, Lord. Amen.